0: Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm. Today we'll be examining the readings for the first Sunday of Advent, November 29, 2020. If you look at the uh, gospel in particular, you will see that the message in the gospel, the parable that Jesus is speaking, sounds, is very familiar. It's like ones or com- an assemblage of ones that we have heard over the last several weeks. And that's because it really is. Uh, we are in the first Sunday of Advent, which is the beginning of the liturgical year, and we are moving from uh, Cycle A, which in which Matthew is the predominant gospel, and into Cycle B, where Mark is the predominant gospel. However, Mark being much shorter and much more su- succinct, uh, at times John will be used to fill in the, the uh, places where Mark doesn't do a very good job of telling us the story, and the reason also is that the church itself is is wanting us to not only focus on the c- commemoration of the coming of Jesus Christ at Christmas, but he's also, which is his first coming, but they are all, the church also wants us to, to focus on his second coming at the end of time, as well as the time when we meet him at our particular judgment after we die. So it all sort of falls into place there. Uh, and then if we look at the first reading it's more or less telling us that jesus has left members of the church to carry out his work till he returns or that's also in the gospel and are, the question is are we diligent and prompt in doing the things that we are charged with doing if not think about the consequences i'd like to begin with the gospel today it's it's short the first reading is it has a lot of material associated with it and i want to make sure that we get the gospel done and also the second reading this this week and then we'll do what we can with the first reading. And the first reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 33 through 37. And again, this is the, about the last week of Jesus's life. That So it's, it's, it seems maybe a little strange that we are looking at the end of Jesus's life for this Gospel when we're preparing for the beginning of Jesus's life. So let's take a look at that. And it's Mark, chapter 13, verses 33 through 37. And the thing that we, let's look in here as we read this, look at this. Notice that you have watchful once and watch three times. So let's take a look at that. And so it, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, be watchful and alert. And doesn't that sound like what we heard a couple of times in Matthew, uh, Matthew 24, 42? He says, so stay awake because you do not know when the master is coming. This is for, for the the. the, the uh, this is for the story where the pastor goes away and comes back. And then also, the so stay awake and do because you do not know either the day or the hour. And that's Matthew 25, 13. And that's, I believe that's at the end of the parable of the talents. So be watchful. What does that word watchful mean? It means to uh, discern, have a discernment. Uh... uh Uh, and then it says to be alert which means to be sleepless to watch to stay awake we've heard that stay awake several times over the last several weeks and he says and then he says immediately what we what we just read in in the two spots in Matthew you do not know the time when the time will come it's like a man traveling abroad and that abroad is I looked at that and that just basically means uh the the Greek word means away from his his people so it it doesn't necessarily mean that, that the pan crossed the Mediterranean or an ocean or something. He leaves home and leave, places his servants in charge. So again, like with the parable of the talents, the master left the... the and in Luke, it's the parable of the pounds. And you can find those in, in uh, Luke nine 9.12. you can say that in Matthew 25.14. Uh, and it will say that he leaves his servants in charge of something. And in that in those in and Matthew, Matthew and Luke, it's of a certain amount of money. And here it's parts of the of the uh, uh, estate. He leaves each of his servants in charge, each with his own work. So he's not asking them to do anything unusual. He's asking them to do the things that they would normally do. And so it's important that we understand that. That sort of goes back to the parable of the talents where the masters gave each of them uh, uh, an amount of money, uh, or number of talents commensurate with their ability. So here he's saying that the same way here, the master is not asking them to do anything that's beyond their ability. Each to do his own and orders for the gatekeeper to keep watch. And that again, that's stay awake. And then he goes on, to say, watch therefore. You do not know when the Lord of the house is coming. It kind of repeats what we saw up earlier in there. And let's take a look at a couple of scriptures there that will go along with that. Uh, one of those is in first this, uh, oh, I see, whether evening, evening or midnight or cockcrow, And uh, so first Thessalonians five, five and six says, no, you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or darkness, so we should not go on sleeping as everyone else does, but stay awake and sober. So it's this, this awake and sober means to be alert. 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13 says, be vigilant, stay firm in the faith, be brave and strong. And I think Peter says it Uh, gives it a little bit more input into this as to how it would apply to us he says keep sober and alert because your enemy the devil is on the prowl like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter tells us that we need to be alert for the attacks of the enemy and that's probably what the gatekeeper needs to be doing to the gatekeeper needs to be there seeing if there's somebody coming to attack the, the estate. So you've got all of that going on in this parable. So Jesus is telling us that we need to be alert, uh, not only for the return of the master, but to those things that would cause us to fail in our assignment. And it's difficult for us to understand that sometimes, but that's exactly what we need to be doing. It says, you don't don't know whether he's going to come in the evening, so that'd be like six o'clock at night, midnight, Or at cockerel, which would be six in the morning, or in the morning, which would typically be thought of as about nine o'clock. May he not come to you and find you sleeping. What I say to you all is watch. Now, let's take a look again at another scripture here. And this is in, uh, whoops, I don't know where it is. So we'll skip that for right now. Oh, it's Luke 12, 38 to 40. It says, and it, the same thing, it's saying the same thing, it may come in the second watch or the third watch, but blessed are those servants he finds ready. You may be quite sure of this, that if the household were known at what time the burglar would come, he would not have let anyone break through the wall of the house. You too must be stand ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We need to be ready at all times. Uh, and it's That's that's tough, isn't it? Uh, because... As the darkness comes on us, we sometimes become drowsy, less alert. But Jesus has told us that he's the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light of life. That's John eight twelve. We need to follow Jesus. If we're following Jesus, which we're not going to have a problem. Now, we can also look at a couple of other scriptures here uh, that... Uh, Proverbs four, uh, pardon me, twenty four thirty three says, "A little sleep, a little drowsiness, and a little folding the arms, lie back, and poverty comes like a vagrant, like a and like a eager dearth." So we need to stay awake. We need to stay alert to what's going on. Uh, it's it's part of what needs to be happening. So let's that pretty well takes care of the gospel here. Uh, again. Another thing here. Let's let's look at John. Or, or, me, Matthew five uh, verses uh, six and seven. And somehow I don't have that, but that's the one where Jesus says that we are children of the light. He says we're the salt of the earth. You don't put the light under the bushel basket. You put it out where everybody can see. So let your light shine. Do your good works. And let your light shine so that all can see the light. And then in that case, what we are doing we are doing what 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 3.17 says. It says, it's talking about, and I use this scripture frequently. Now, this Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with our unveiled faces, like mirrors reflecting the glory of God, are to be transformed into the image that we reflect in brighter and brighter glory. This is the working of the Lord, who is spirit. Our light is supposed to come from Jesus. We're supposed to reflect that light. So our light, if Jesus is our light, perhaps we are the light that keeps others seeing what's going on and they don't fall into the darkness. So with that, let's look at the, the uh, uh, second reading, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses three through nine. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, I give thanks to my God always on your account. Now that's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, and verses 7 and 9. And this is a cross-reference in my Bible that, that pointed to this from, the, from this particular verse. It says, more as you are rich in everything, faith, eloquence, understanding, concern for everything, and love for us too, then make sure that you excel in this work of generosity too. You are well aware of the generosity which the Lord Jesus Christ had that although he was rich, he became poor for your sake, so that you should become rich through his poverty. So everything we have is gift from God, and we need to understand that uh, if we're going to proceed. And Paul is saying he's glad for all the gifts that they have, that in him you were enriched in every way. God's given them everything with all discourse and knowledge as the testimony of Christ was confirmed, to Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are lacking, not not lacking, in any spiritual gift. Now, I'm going to pause here a minute, and let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 12, 11, which it enumerates, Paul enumerates the spiritual gifts. Now, he also does that in Romans 12, but we're not going to do that one today. Uh, Romans 12, 4 says, there are many different gifts, but it's always the same Spirit. There are many different ways of serving, but always the same Lord. There are many different forms of activity, but in everybody it is the same God who is at work in them all. The particular manifestation of the Spirit granted to each one is to be used for the general good. Notice that, to the, for the general good, not for myself, but for others. To the one who is given from the Spirit the gift of utterance, expressing wisdom, to the another the gift of uh, utterance expressing knowledge in accordance with the same spirit. To another, faith from the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing through the same this one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the power of distinguishing spirits. To one, the gift of different tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But at work in all these is one and the same spirit distributed them that at Uh, at will to each individual going back to the gospel again when the spirit comes and gives us the gifts the spiritual gifts the the charisms of the spirit he gives them different to everyone so if in in other places paul talks about the gift of administration and some other things so whatever you're doing for god if you're doing it in a way that uh is for other people it doesn't make any difference what your gift is or what it is that you're doing no one is better or less than the other we need all of the things he tells us that it's the the lesser parts of the body that are the most important the ones that are less presentable that we we don't like to even talk about so you need to we need to understand that and go from there now do do you know what your gifts are do you know what gifts god has given you and You might wanna take a a few minutes this week and think about that because God has given us each gifts, And maybe for some of you, the gift is that you're able to speak to other people and minister to them when they're needing someone to talk to. To another, you might be someone who helps uh, with finances. To another, you might be someone that has the gift of of, uh, intercessory prayer. For another, you might be able to speak a word that seems to the other person that it comes from God. And so just understand that you have your gifts and you need to be using those. And God will ask you on the last day when he comes to give an account for how you've used those gifts. Now, the thing that comes down here, he will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable to the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God isn't trying to catch us. He's not setting up a situation where we can be caught for not doing what he expected us to do. Go back to the parable of the talents again. The two first The first two people, the person who got the five talents and the person who got the two talents, they did what they were supposed to do. It was the person with the one talent who doubted his ability. He didn't think that the master had given him something he could handle and that there weren't available to him the things that he needed to be able to make at least one more talent. That's what God is telling us here. God is faithful, it says. God is faithful. Do you know what that means? What does it mean that he's faithful? It means that he's trustworthy. It it means that he is faithful to us. He he's, gives us what we need. He's not out there to hurt us. He's out there to help us. And by him you recall the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the this first reading goes along a little bit with the gospel. Now let's look at the first reading, which at, a, at first glance seems like a stretch until we try to put it all together. Now, it begins off. This is from Isaiah 63, and it's various verses and pieces of verses through Isaiah 64, verse 7. So, you, Lord, are our Father. Now, the word Father here is, is a Hebrew word. It's Ab. Remember, Jesus said, or as Paul talked about, calling the, the, the how you know that you're sons is that you can say Abba, Father. When praying to god now abba was the is the daddy or the dada whereas ab is the formal using of it and you you have to understand what that means it to to the hebrew people if you go back to deuteronomy 131 which is the beginning of deuteronomy which is the second recounting of the exodus 131 says you have seen him in the desert too speaking of of god yahweh your god continued to support you as a man supports his son Along all along the road you followed, until you arrived here. So the right there at that point in time, uh, as they're getting ready to, to to go across the the Jordan. Now they also heard that in Isaiah forty three fourteen earlier. Do not be afraid, Jacob, you worm, you little handful of Israel. I shall help you, declares the Lord. Your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. So it says, he says, here in 63, our Redeemer, you remain our name forever. That Redeemer uh, is the Goel, which uh, according to Leverite law, was that the nearest relative could go in and redeem the property and the or the person who was in slavery. That was their right. So you you need to understand that when he talks about that, it's talking about someone who is a close relationship. Has a close is a close relative who is the redeemer who goes out and takes them out of hawk get goes to the pawn shop and redeems what was pawn uh, so also in isaiah 43 1 isaiah says and now thus says yahweh who created you jacob who formed you israel remember israel is the name for the nation do not be afraid for i have redeemed you i have called you by your name you are mine God wants to have this close relationship with us. It is on his part. The question is, is it a close relationship on our part? And then let's look again a little bit farther down here. Uh, It says, and harden, and then then it says, and why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Ah, so God's the reason why we sin. That's not what James tells us. James tells us in chapter 1, verses 13 to 15, never, when you are being put to the test, say, God is tempting me. And remember, test and temptation uh, are used interchangeably as a translation for the Greek and and for the Hebrew word, as a matter of fact. God cannot be tempted by evil. He does not put anybody to the test. Everyone is put to the test by being attracted and seduced by the person's own wrong desire. Then desire conceives and gives birth to sin. And when sin reaches full growth, it gives birth to death, so it's not God that's doing this. God hasn't done any of this stuff to the people. The people have done it to themselves. And so, let's look at Malachi chapter three, verses six through twelve, which will also go along with this. And in that place, uh, God—it's—it's it's the last book of the Old Testament, so it's kind of a, a summary. Uh, of of what's been gone before. And it says, no, I, Yahweh, do not change. God is unchangeable. He's immutable. He's eternal. He has no need to change. And you have not ceased to be my children, to be children of Jacob. God hasn't rejected us because we haven't lived up to his expectations. That goes at the end. That's that's the end thing. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have evaded my statutes and not observed them. Return to me, and I will return to you. So it it's like, it seems as if God has abandoned us because we've actually abandoned God. Says Yahweh Saba, you ask, how do we return? Can a human being cheat God? Yet you cheat me. You ask, how do we cheat you? And then he goes on to talks about over the tri- ties and some other things. Uh, so God wants us to have that relationship. He wants to give us what we need as as we go through life and it's it's up to us to do that and so how is that going to happen he it's he says the people are the, the people are asking oh that you would rend the heavens and come down with the mountains quaking before you where have we seen and heard that before we've heard we saw the heavens being rent uh, at Jesus baptism and I'm going to quote from Matthew 6 chapter chapter 6, verses seven, 16 and 17. And when Jesus was ba- had been baptized, he at once came up from the water and suddenly the heavens opened, heavens opened, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. That's John the Baptist saw it. And suddenly there was a voice from heaven. This is my son, the beloved. My favor rests on him. Where else have they seen that? Let's go to Exodus 19, verses 16 to 20. And this is where... Moses went up to get the first, the Ten Commandments. Now at daybreak, two days later, there were peals of thunder and flashes of lightning, dense cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. And in the camp, the people trembled. They were afraid. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the bottom of the mountain. Mount Sinai was entirely wrapped in smoke, symbolizing the presence of God, because Yahweh had descended in the form of fire. The smoke rose like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. Louder and louder, the trumpeting. Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. Yahweh descended on Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and Yahweh called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So the people have forgotten their history, that God did this in the past. There's no reason to believe that he's not going to come to them again. Uh, uh, there's another example in First Kings 19, verses 11 to 13, which is... Uh, where Elijah is escaping from uh, Jezebel, and he goes up to Horeb, the other name from Mount Sinai, and here we see that then he was told, go out and stand on the mountain before Yahweh, for at that moment, uh, Yahweh was going by. A mighty hurricane split the mountains and shattered the rocks before Yahweh, but Yahweh was not in the hurricane. And after the hurricane, an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire, a light murmuring sound. or a gentle wind in other translations. And when Elijah heard this, he covered his face with his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So God has manifested himself in the past to people in this way. And then also... In Psalm 144, verses five and six, Yahweh part the heavens, come down and touch the mountains, make them smoke, shatter them with continuous lightning flashes, rout them with a volley of your arrows. So are you, do you do you understand what God is doing in your life? Are you waiting for some splendid, spectacular uh, manifestation of God in your life? Or are you looking for God in the little things, in like the gentle murmuring, the gentle breeze? God doesn't always come to us in, in the spectacular. He's there with us every day, and we have to see him in our everyday lives. And if we don't do that, we're going to miss God altogether. And it's important that we do that. Uh, but we have to understand, uh, no ear has ever heard, I know i ever seen any God but you doing such great deeds for those who wait for him. Do you believe that? I do. Would that you would meet us doing right. Ha! On the, Not only on the last day would it be that God meet us doing right, but every day of our lives, that you were mindful of our ways, keeping an eye on us. Behold, you are angry and we are sinful. Remember that people, all of us have become like unpeopled Clean people, all our good deeds like polluted rags. And Paul talks about that in Philippians when he talks about uh, uh, that all of his uh, all of his past life was just totally worthless because he wasn't doing it in the right order. And let's go down to the let's skip down to the bottom because we're getting close to time here, and I want to have a few minutes to say something else. And down at the, the last three lines is yet, O Lord, you are our Father. It repeats that first line. Even though we're rebellious children, God, you still are our father. You still father us. You still love us, even though we have done all these things. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Now, that's it's interesting. Uh, if we go back to uh, Genesis chapter uh, 2 and verse 7, it says, Yahweh God shaped man from the soil of the ground and blew the... Br- breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a loving being. So this recalls, this verse recalls again the creation of man out of the clay of the soil uh, to make the man, and then blew his spirit. His was Because remember, ruach, that Hebrew word means spirit or breath. And so we've got to understand that. Again, if we look in Isaiah 29:16, 16, and uh, how perverse is this? Are you, Potter, saying that it was not made for his maker? He did not make me or a pot. He does not know his job. Probably the most important one is in Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6. And I'm just going to recount that because we're getting so close on time. It says, Jeremiah was told to go down and watch a potter. And the potter made a, a, a pot or a vessel of some kind, and it didn't come out quite right. So he smashed the clay down and did it again. God is continually doing this with us. I want you to understand that God loves you so very much that he wants you to succeed. And just he wants you to think about your life and the life that he is giving you to live. And he wants you to live a life for him. And if you live a life for him, you're living a life for others. With that in mind, I want you to just understand it's not time to slack off. No matter where you are in life, the end is closer today than it was yesterday. Be ready for the end of your life the end-of-life review that you're going to have with your real boss and father. Thank you, and God bless you. Have a good week.